This is Fiat Vox, a Berkeley News podcast. I'm Ann Bryce. Last week, we spoke to UC Berkeley's Ella Kahlo about how, nearly 100 years ago, the U.S. government built a psychiatric institution in South Dakota to forcibly commit and imprison Native Americans, often for reasons that had nothing to do with having a mental illness. If you haven't listened to it yet, I recommend going back and listening to it just to get a little bit more context. Today, in the second part of the two-part series, Callow, who is the director of the Office of Disability Access and Compliance at Berkeley, and who spent more than a decade as a lawyer before coming to Berkeley, fighting for the rights of parents with disabilities, says that Native communities are still forced to exist in societal systems that use disability to justify taking Native children away from their families and to ultimately control and make money from their lives. One of, one of the things that really concerns me is the fact that this has bled into child welfare issues. Um, you know, as I said, Native and disabled people have, have very disparate impacts of child welfare in involvement and removal of their children. Um, and in the American Indian context, the Indian Child Welfare Act should be a protection against this. The Indian Child Welfare Act was passed by Congress in 1978, which established minimum federal standards for when and how state agencies could remove Native American children from their parents' custody and their cultural environment. But when a parent's disability is involved, says Callow, it's used to override their cultural identity. Often if the parent has a disability, there's an effort by the state in state courts, which unfortunately is where the cases often take place. They should be taking place in tribal court, but often they take place in state court um, to say, well, we know that we should have perhaps a cultural expert. We know that we are supposed to place the child with kin and do all these things. But we all know that the real issue here is that mom is schizophrenic or that dad is blind. And so this really isn't about all that Indian stuff. This is about the disability. Although the U.S. Department of Justice issued guidelines in 2015 that specifically stated that the Americans with Disabilities Act applies to all child welfare cases, it rarely ends up protecting Native families in court, says Callow. Instead, counsel on both sides often kind of give up, affirming the underlying societal belief that parents with disabilities aren't capable of raising their own children. In South Dakota, for example, a Native American child is 11 times more likely to be placed in the foster care system than a white child. And even when there are many Native foster homes available, a majority of those Native children are placed with non-Native families or in group centers instead. In the cases in South Dakota just a few years ago, the case, um, the state got in a great deal of trouble for its practices, its court's practices around child welfare in the Native community. And what was really interesting was that things came to light, like the fact that they designate every single Native child they remove and place into foster care as disabled. And when they do that, they get more money. So what we're seeing, again, is is taking of these children out of the community. They're um, identifying them as disabled and making money. And um, they're controlling them in in state settings or non-Native settings in a way that's detrimental to the children and is profitable to the state. You know, what I found in my research is that 
when tribes take control of their own child welfare systems, which many of them have done over the last 20 years, um, and you know, when they're um, when they have the latitude to build early intervention programs, you know, they can they can use those um, to really support their families and address the issues specifically around trauma and mental health. Um, that are so um, likely to be exploited if they're not addressed by outside entities and used as a way to control and to profit off of Native people and instead, you know, create healthy families. Callow is working with Susan Birch, who is a professor of American Studies at Middlebury College, and with Juliet Larkin Gilmore, a postdoctoral fellow in the American Indian Studies program, at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign on a special edition of Disabilities Studies Quarterly that's focused on indigenous health and disability in the past, present, and future. As part of the effort, the team invited people from across the country to submit questions, ideas, and thoughts about what they believe we can learn from Native communities around disability, health, and well-being. Submissions could be in many forms, from essays and journal articles to art and poetry. But we didn't want to limit it um, to academic voices. Um, We wanted to open it up, and we wanted to open it up to Native people particularly, um, to tell us what they wanted to tell us about this subject. You know, it's so important for Native people to have agency and Native disabled people to have agency because that's what, um, for, you know, so long, people have tried to take away from them. So I think the most hopeful thing is to see how much tribes and tribal people have taken control of the narrative about disability and the history in Indian country and the future of it and are building these programs, have built these programs, are running these programs on reservation, off reservation. Um, And what we've seen submitted is like amazing. I mean, the way people are able to talk about this subject, want to talk about this subject, is really, really hardening. To learn more about Indigenous health and disability, check out the special edition of Disabilities Studies Quarterly to be published in the summer of 2021. For Berkeley News, I'm Ann Bryce. You can subscribe to this podcast, Fiat Vox, spelled F-I-A-T-V-O-X, and give us a rating on your favorite listening app. Also, check out our other podcast, Berkeley Talks, that features lectures and conversations at UC Berkeley. You can find all of our podcast episodes on Berkeley News at news.berkeley.edu slash podcasts. Thank you.